Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 15 of Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to be reading verse 10. Revelation 11, verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And in our last study, we began to look at prophets and their prophecy as God here is referring to two prophets, and that the prophecy of the two prophets, which we know is simply the testimony of the Bible within the churches throughout the nearly 2,000 years of the church age, that prophecy was a cause of torment to the people of the world. They that dwell upon the earth rejoice and make merry and send gifts. Why? Because... These two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Now, is it a torment to the people of the earth to hear that God loves them and and has a wonderful plan for their life? No, that's not a torment. Is it a torment to hear that Jesus died for everybody and all the sins are taken care of? Don't worry, everybody dies and goes to heaven. That's not a torment. And actually, um, we find that False prophecy in the Bible, uh, as as false prophets are um, in the kingdom of darkness, they would be Satan's emissaries. They come with good news. They come speaking very nice and kind and gentle and loving things. My God, my God would never throw people into hell. Or, or destroy people. My God would would never uh, choose just certain ones and not choose everyone. It's not fair, and and so on. And man devises his own God out of his own thinking and develops these doctrines that are that are uh, palatable. They're appeasing, non-offensive to the natural mind. And and so God cannot, of course, destroy children. The children, in the world's views, are innocents. And and so doctrine is developed where um, there's an age of accountability. Anyone who dies before that time, even if a, a child who dies at two or five or seven, even if they were not a Christian child or even if they gave no evidence of any um salvation whatsoever it is said that they're in heaven because they did not reach the age of accountability another doctrine developed to please people to please and and to flatter and and uh, it's to aid people to comfort them and and soothe their minds and and all of these things are wrong and false and untrue and lies and and this 
yet is the nature of the false prophet. And again, prophecy or to prophesy is to declare the word of God because all the Bible is prophecy. And whenever we say, now the Bible says this or, or God said that in the Bible, we are prophesying. Even today, after the Bible has been completed, God uses that figure of his people when they declare the word of God, they are prophesying. And that's why he says in the latter days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. He doesn't mean that there will continue to be prophets after the manner of Jeremiah or Isaiah, but simply after the Bible is closed, the Bible will still be proclaimed and the Bible is prophecy. Proclaiming the Bible, therefore, is prophesying. And 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 so there was prophesying in, in the days when the Bible was being compiled, and which is a different nature. Their prophets waited to receive a vision or a dream or a tongue or or God communicating with them somehow supernaturally, and then they were moved to declare it, to write it down, to speak it to a scribe who would write it down, and so forth. No, God isn't bringing that kind of revelation anymore, and his people are not prophesying in that way anymore since the Bible was completed. But still, um, there there is prophesying in the New Testament sense of simply speaking forth the word of God. Well, we were looking at 1 Kings 22 in our last study. In 1 Kings chapter 22, we find two kings, one of Israel, one of Judah, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, coming together in agreement as allies to fight an enemy. And uh, it, it was customary for prophets to speak and, and to see if God had a word concerning the battle, concerning the enemy. And, and, and so uh, the king of Israel had 400 prophets gather together, and they all said, all 400 of them, we read in verse 6 of First Kings 22, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat, now Jehoshaphat was a true believer, Ahab was not. And and so Jehoshaphat, uh, that meant, had an ear for truth. Just like every true believer. God says of his people, my sheep, hear my voice. And, and Jehoshaphat was one of his elect. And he heard 400 prophets prophesy. And, and they all prophesied good concerning this battle, go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Yet notice the reaction and response of Jehoshaphat in verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of Jehovah besides that we might inquire of him? Now why did Jehoshaphat say that? Because something didn't ring true. Something was wrong. Yes, there is tremendous agreement. And uh, every prophet 
the king of Israel could dig up, he gathered together and, and, and there was probably old prophets and younger prophets and middle-aged prophets and, and some that spoke with booming voices and tremendous authority and, and just everything was pointing to a confirmation from God. They all were certain. They all were sure and, and they all uh, spoke the same thing. Yet, something troubled Jehoshaphat. And he asked, is there not a prophet of Jehovah? And it could be that these prophets were prophets of Baal. Uh, it, but whatever, Jehoshaphat wants to hear from a prophet of Jehovah. And, and so the king of Israel responds in verse 8. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of Jehovah. But I hate him, for he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Jehoshaphat would have been shocked at hearing that a prophet of Jehovah, and and you say that you hate him? A prophet of Jehovah is someone who speaks the word of Jehovah. And whatever the prophet of Jehovah speaks, well, that is the word of God. And, and how can you say that you hate him? Now, Jehoshaphat is just um, in deep trouble himself because he is getting in an alliance with someone he should not be in alliance with. And, and uh, you know, God warns in the Bible about uh, light and darkness, and there is no communion. There's, if two are not agreed, how can they walk together and so forth? And, and, and yet uh, Jehoshaphat is, uh, is doing something very unwise, we can say at the least. But still, even... In his lack of wisdom, he's still a child of God. He still has deep down that ear that God gives his people. And and so he still wants to hear the truth from the true prophet of the Lord. And, and, and Jehoshaphat does not receive the word of God as something hateful and and notice that Ahab says, I hate him. Why? He does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Now we can see why it is that these 400 prophets who are approved by Ahab, they're acceptable. They're uh, brought into the presence of the king. And they're given a platform where they can speak. Yes, you prophets, prophesy. I want to hear whatever God has said to you. And Ahab allows them that because he knows what they're going to say. He's heard them before. They speak what the king wants to hear. They speak in unison, in agreement. They're patriots. They're uh, individuals that are not going to rock the boat, to, to use that phrase. They're They're going to all say the same thing. And we we see this in churches today, in denominations. 
denominations have seminaries, and seminaries have their professors teach the seminar, the particular denominational stance. They, they teach the doctrines of that church. After all, it was the Presbyterians or the Reformed Episcopalians who hired them, and, and they're of that denomination. They've made it uh, to a high position of authority within that denomination. They know the denominational position very well, and they teach the seminary students, yes, the Bible, along with the position of our church. Now, if you want to be a minister in our church, you must accept these positions. And so they're they're uh, brought through the learning mill. They come out with their degree, their master of divinity, and they're set up in a church. And they teach, for the most part, they teach what the church teaches as a whole. And they speak with one voice. And uh, the only problem is that of course, in their confessions, in their creeds, in their denominational positions, there are errors. And nobody corrects them. Nobody dares to. No one speaks the word of Jehovah, but they speak a position that is um, already been pre-approved through the seminary that they came through and is reaffirmed from higher-ups if they go out of those lines, you must hold to our church's doctrine on baptism. You must hold to our church's doctrine on salvation and so forth. And basically, these 400 prophets are are all of one denomination. They all speak the same thing, and Ahab trusts them. He doesn't trust this Micaiah, Micaiah does not toe the party line. He does not um, say things that are within the limitations that are that are established in Israel. And so he he dares to say things that are not good, even about the king. And he dares to say things that are evil concerning the king. Well, let, let's keep reading here in verse 9, 1 Kings 22. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither Micaiah the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah the son of Shenaniah made him horns of iron. And he said, Thus saith Jehovah, With these shall thou push the Syrians until thou have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for Jehovah shall deliver it into the king's hand. You know, as I mentioned earlier, it's very patriotic. When you are a nation at war, with another nation, for people to say, we're going to win, we're going to win the battle, we're going to win the war, we support the king, we support this effort by our army, 
And, you know, it, it's patriotic when it comes to, say, America or Russia or China or whatever nation. There's nothing wrong with supporting the war effort, supporting the soldiers, supporting the government's position that you're a part of. But the difference is when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to thus saith the Lord, to what God is truly declaring, there is no patriotism involved. There cannot be. There there cannot be any effort to please the government, to please the king, to please the army, the generals, to please anybody but God. It is an absolute necessity for a true prophet of the Lord, the prophets who prophesied in the days of old, and God's people, true believers who prophesy the true teachings of the Bible today, that they have in their mind what I will say will only be what God says I can say. And I'll go no further, and I'll say no less. I will only say what God demands that I say. That's what a messenger is. That's what an ambassador is. That's what someone who is a true prophet is, is someone who speaks the word of the Lord with the mindset that I will only say what God has said. And, and these prophets, they, they have gone beyond that boundary. They have taken into consideration the, the point of view of the king. They have taken into consideration how it might sound to others if I were to say uh, we would lose the battle or the king would not prosper or uh, they, they take into consideration how that is received by the people and the people may not like them anymore. The people may be displeased if they say that. So there is pressure applied to the prophets to speak well, to speak good, and and we're not speculating about that. Let's let's uh, go on reading here, and we'll see that that comes into view in verse thirteen of First Kings twenty-two. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, "Behold, now the words of the prophets declare good unto the king." With one mouth, let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. It, you see how there there's trying to be uh, influence applied to Micaiah, the prophet of Jehovah. Look, what, why must you be the oddball? Why do you have to be different? Why... Uh, don't you say what everybody else is saying. There's 400 of them. There's only one of you. Obviously, they're right because the majority is always right. <laughs> that's that's a, um, a, a very erroneous understanding that, that especially in our um, republic and our democracy, where where we have votes that elect people and the majority rules we we have come to think that if the majority is um voting on something and and the majority determines something 
that is more people say that uh, today, for instance, that gay marriage is, is a good thing than than say no, it's something wrong. Well, therefore, gay marriage is a good thing because majority rules. Or they take a poll, and of the poll, fifty-one percent say that abortion is a woman's right, while forty. 9% say, oh no, it, it is something sinful and wrong and murder. And, and, and so majority rules. Now in our, um, political system, what it, majority does, it allows laws to be enacted, but we, we should and no one should in any way think that a majority can determine right or wrong. That a majority can determine if something is morally good or or evil. No, that that is never the case. The determination of right and wrong, of good and evil, is made by one, and that one is God. And God determines it when he gives us his word, and he says, thou shall not covet, and, and thou shall not kill. And when God says anything, when he says that a man and a woman are joined together by him. Well, that that is the limitation of marriage, men and women. And when God speaks um, that uh, homosexuality is an abomination, that is how it is. It doesn't matter how many people, uh, even if 99.9% or even if 100% of people say, no, Homosexuality is a good thing. We've finally seen the light. It is still wrong. It is still sinful. It is still evil because God says it is. That is how we understand good and evil, right and wrong. We look for God's position, not the position of most men. And actually, uh, we'll find that the position of most men is normally wrong, is often wrong and is not trustworthy in any way. If most people speak well of something, it's actually a warning flag that something's wrong. Well, here the messenger is trying to reason with this unreasonable prophet. He's stubborn. He's prideful. That's what it is. He's a proud prophet. He he won't humble himself. He won't join the rest of the prophets and and speak with them he's he's stubborn and proud and rebellious and uh no wonder the king hates him and we don't like him either the messenger is probably thinking and so he's trying to convince him this time just this time Micaiah speak as one of them speak good and then we'll all go to battle with confidence we'll all go up to Ramoth Gilead and we will prosper. We'll, we'll win the war. Aren't you a patriot? Aren't you a Jew? And, and look, we have Jehoshaphat, Judah and Israel coming together. This is a wonderful thing that the two nations are, are joining together for battle. How can you say anything against it? Well, in verse 14, of First Kings 22, it says, And Micaiah said, As Jehovah liveth, what Jehovah saith unto me, that will I speak. And there it is. What 
else can a true prophet of the Lord do? And again, I I don't want us to lose sight of this. God's people are prophets. Remember how God speaks of of the elect. Spiritually, he says we are prophets, priests, and kings. We we carry out the role of a prophet when we speak forth the word of God. And the true believer it is bound by what the Bible says. That Micaiah's statement applies to every one of God's people today. As he says, it's very short, and yet it uh, perfectly sums it up. Micaiah said, As Jehovah liveth, what Jehovah saith unto me, that will I speak. And a true believer today will say, As the Lord liveth, what the Bible says, that I will speak. And and we we will not speak more, we will not speak less, we will speak what the Bible says. But you see, that that is what many people hate. That's why they hated Micaiah, because he spoke the true words of God. Basically, it's as though he was speaking what the Bible says in his day. Of course, since the things God told him are part of the Bible. And this was not pleasing to the ears of men. It is so, so um, wrong, just simply wrong, for people to think that when they hear a message that is difficult, hard to hear, a message of judgment, whether it be the judgment on the church or now the judgment on the world, a message that says that God has ended salvation for the churches throughout the 23 years of the Great Tribulation period, and that God now has closed the door and ended salvation for the world. And for some people to say, oh, that is so awful, that is so terrible, I just know that's that's false prophecy and you're a false prophet and and whoever shares this is a false prophet because it's just so ugly it's so terrible and then they go on and on of of how unmerciful how unloving and unkind it is and you see you see actually that message of judgment is not something that should signal to a true believer that it's it's not from the Lord. And on the other hand, these same people, if they hear a message of God loves you and and these other things that are that are pleasant sounding, and God still saving in the churches, God still saving in the world, and and go up and prosper, uh, that's music to their ears. And, oh, this is a true saint of God, a, a true brother, a true sister. Well, <laughs> you're, you're uh, actually using the wrong criteria. Now, we can't tell, of course, from based on what someone says. We have to go to the Bible and see, does the Bible support it or not? But one thing we can know for certain is that a message of judgment, a message of wrath, a message of an angry God is in keeping. It follows the pattern of prophets of old, 
Whereas on the other hand, a message that says, oh no, God will not give us up to the Babylonians. God will restore the captives. He'll restore the vessels in, in a short order. God has not ended the church age. God would not dare um, end salvation and, and allow the world to continue. That those who oppose, those who are saying peace, peace, when there is no peace, that follows a certain pattern also. Those that are in opposition to these things. Actually, we can uh, understand that there is a pattern that a true believer, a true prophet of the Lord follows, and there is a pattern that a false prophet follows, and they may not be what you think. They could actually be reversed. And we're, we're going to look at this a little bit more in our next study. We're going to finish here in 1 Kings 22 and a few other places because this is very important that uh, we know how God moves in his people and the things that they speak, whether it be true or whether it be false. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.